This is the last message in the sermon series, The Lord is Good, His Steadfast Love Endures Forever. So open your Bibles to Psalm 145. We're not ending with 150. We're gonna end with 145. Accomplish the same type things we would accomplish with 150, but 145's got a couple of other things in there that I thought really would be good for us to consider as we wrap up this sermon series on the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 145, are we ready? All right, let me set it up for you. Here's the deal, it's an acrostic. That means each verse begins with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There is one letter that is left out. It is the noon or the nun, the N-U-N. It is the letter that is missing in your Bibles. Some of you will have in brackets 13b, Uh, The 13B, the Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works is in brackets because it means it's not in the best manuscripts. That's one of the reasons it's important for you to know your Hebrew and to know your Greek is so that you'll understand those type things. We have scholars over in our School of Biblical and Theological Studies that can explain that to you even more and in greater detail. There's nothing in the text that should cause you to doubt what's taking place, but when you see those brackets, or in some cases footnotes, depending on what version of the Bible you may be utilizing, you wanna take note of that. You wanna make sure that you're building your theology off sound passages that have good testimony to it and also all of scripture, not off isolated passages. And so that's part of what we're encountering in this text. This text, as far as the Babylonian Talmud states, that this was to be recited three times daily. So this text is a pretty big deal in the history of the Jewish prayer book. It appears more frequently than any other psalm. It's one of the reasons we're using it to conclude. You'll note as we read through the text here in just a minute that all or every occurs at least 17 times. It varies per translation, but it occurs multiple times. That's a lot of times because you're, you're interpreting scripture, looking for the repetition What's being said here over and over? What is the writer trying to stick in my mind? If I'm memorizing this and saying it three times a day, what is it that I need to remember? Well, all's in here frequently. And then as you read this, you're gonna catch that dominant theme of praise, that dominant theme of words that go forward. And you're gonna see it, I'm reading out the ESV, you're gonna see it in words like extol, bless, praise, thanks, commend, declare, meditate, speak, sing. So this is David writing to us, and he is writing a praise psalm, a psalm of praise. These last five psalms all are encouraging us to praise the Lord, not to trust in this world or horses or chariots or people of this world, but to put our praise and our trust in the Lord. And so even as we read Psalm 145, this psalm of David, it's his praise, Now, through the Holy Spirit and the inspiration, it's intended for all of us. The Holy Spirit knew we were gonna be discussing this chapter today, but this is David's praise. I hope it's your praise too, but there's an I and a my, and there's my praise that goes forth to the Lord, and so I would encourage all of us to make this psalm our own. Insert the things, think about the things that you are thankful to the Lord for, that the Lord has done in your life that you can praise the Lord for. Before we read the text, your main idea is let everything that has breath praise the Lord because the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever. This psalm is gonna repeat the theme that ends in Psalm 150, the very end, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It begins with David saying he's gonna praise the Lord. It ends 
in verse 21 with David saying, my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. So your main idea is let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Why? Because he's good and his steadfast love endures forever. We'll walk through that some. Let me give you your outline. So the outline, the two points in the middle are gonna take up the majority of the time. But your outline is gonna be praise the Lord every day. You'll see that in verses one and two. That's a personal praise to the Lord every single day. Praise the Lord because he is great. Now you'll notice there is three through six and 10 through 13. So I've broken these down. Praise the Lord because he is great. Praise the Lord because he is good. But the writer interweaves the greatness of God and the goodness of God without really breaking them down into separate categories. And so we could, in fact, look at all of those verses as the Lord's goodness or the Lord's greatness. I just think it's helpful for us as we think about this, though, to think about the fact that the Lord is great, and there's some real emphasis on that, and then also to think about the fact the Lord is good, since that has been our push throughout this entire year. And then we conclude with one verse, praise the Lord forever and ever. Let's read our text. Psalm 145. If you are able to stand and honor the reading of God's word, please do so. Psalm 145, verse one says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on the wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Dear Lord, would you help us to catch a glimpse of your greatness and your goodness through your text? In Jesus' name and for his glory, amen. And you may be seated. All right, let's walk through it. 
So we praise the Lord every single day. We start here with David saying, I, we own this. It should be our praise. It should be my praise. It should not be somebody else's praise. God has no spiritual grandchildren. You have to own your faith. You have to own your theology. You have to own the ability to give a defense for your faith. I will extol you, my God and King. Note here that David the King says, my God and King. He humbles himself and recognizes that even though he is an earthly king, he is not the king. There is one king. And some of your translations actually put the article in front of this to indicate there is only one king. It is the God and King. And David says, I will bless your name forever and ever. Now this starts here and it ends in verse 21 with the same words forever and ever. Now, if you're writing your English paper and you're getting ready to turn in that English paper and you put the words forever and ever in there, chances are somebody's gonna take a red pen and they're gonna mark through the end of that ever again and say to you, forever is forever. It's redundant to add another ever in there. You don't need to do so. It's wordy. So we could correct the grammar of David writing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, or we could take note and say, wait a second, time out. Why is it that he's saying forever and ever in verse one, forever and ever in verse two, and then forever and ever in verse 21 as he brings our minds back around and we say, oh, this is a rhetorical device to emphasize the fact that God's kingdom will never end, that God's rule will never end, that he is the king and he is the God and he is the only one and he's the only one that has been and he's the only one that will be and it will last forever and yes, ever. So that's what we see. And in verse two, it says, every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. So when we're at the next to the last week of the semester and we're tired and these people who love us and love to assign work to us called faculty members, give us assignments, all do at the exact same time and they all think their class is the most important class that you will ever take at Cedarville University because they love their subject and you're struggling because even though you sleep, you don't feel rested in the morning when you get up. Every day, every day, I will bless you and praise you. Oh, and friends, take note of this because there are days when I wake up and I feel like praising the Lord. There are days where everything is just going great and it's easy to praise the Lord. And there are days where it feels like I'm running a tough mudder or something and I'm up to my knees in mud and I can't even get the next step up and I'm just like, come on, this is hard. But what are we to do then? We are to praise the Lord every single day. In the good days, and honestly, it's gonna help you in those bad days because it will refocus your mind on the fact that this is not all there is. This is not the end of it. This is not eternity. And so friends, we should praise the Lord every single day forever and ever. We move to our second point. Our second point is we praise the Lord, but we get a reason here because he is great. Now you're gonna see exactly why in this slide, in this text, why I put because he is great. Just look at the text and look at the repetition. Verse three, great is the Lord. There you go. And greatly to be praised. 
and his greatness is unsearchable. So how many times can you say the Lord is great? How many different ways can you say the Lord is great? This is like a thesaurus of the greatness of the Lord as David is trying to indicate to us as a writer in his older age is trying to communicate and hand off to us and say to us, here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to get. I want you to know that the Lord is great. So great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. We can't get to the end of it. We will never exhaust it. You can study this book as long as you're alive. You're never gonna come to the end of God's greatness. And then in verse four, here's where he says, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. All right. How many of you have ever run track? Raise your hand. Anybody in here ever run track? Okay. How many of you know what this is? What is this? A baton. What do you do with a baton? You pass it to somebody, right? Okay, so if you've never run track, here's, imagine with me the four by 100. It's a fast race. It's, it's, it's not, you're not running for very long, which in the grand scheme of eternity, we're not running for very long either. And if you've seen this race, the person who starts and the person who ends, they have it the easiest, right? The person who starts already has the baton in their hand. Now, I went and looked, like in the history of the Olympics, we have dropped the baton several times when we should have won because we had the fastest team. But if you have the fastest team and you have the most ability and you have the most talent and you forget the baton, what happens to you? DNF, did not finish, disqualified, DQ, you're out. And so when they come into the zone, there's a zone. If you watch track, if you know, there's a... There's an area where the, the runner's ready to go and the other runner's coming in and running, and I'm not gonna run, but they're running in and coming and they tell the person go or they have their word, whatever their word is. And that's when the next person all of a sudden takes off. But before they get to the end of that zone, this baton has to go from one person's hand forward so that it's reaching and the other person has that hand reaching back. And if it happens right, it reaches into the other baton and into the other person's hand and then forward they come and off they go running at full speed. Now, what happens if the baton doesn't make it to the person before they hit that line? Disqualified. You're out. What happens if the baton falls onto the ground? So this is an illustration. And the illustration falls apart at some point. But friends, what we have to have in our mind is that what David is saying here is that one generation, we're not gonna last forever. We're gonna get old and die. Our race is gonna end. Our leg is only for a certain amount of time. And part of our job, part of my job, is to take the baton and faithfully stick that baton in your hand. Now, now here's the deal though. If you're the person that's receiving the baton, you can't just run. You have to actually reach back and grab a hold of the baton, right? It takes effort. This is part of what we try to do here. This is part of what we're, we're up to when we have a Bible minor and chapel and D groups and a biblical worldview in every class is this one generation trying to take that baton and stick it in your hand to say to all of you, go tell the next generation. So my question to you here is, are you prepared? Are you equipped? Do you own your faith enough that you are ready to tell the next generation about the truth and the greatness and the goodness of Almighty God?
That's what you're preparing for. You've got a leg of the race to run. Some of us are not gonna be around when you're in the middle of your stride. We're gonna be gone. Our time is done. We're out of here. See ya. And it's gonna be up to you to tell the next generation and to pass the baton on. And you may say, well, what if I'm the last generation? You're never gonna know it. So you have to be prepared to run your race and tell the next generation of what's taking place. One generation shall commend your works to another. So this is you. This is you this summer. You should be ready and on mission for the Lord and prepared that wherever the Lord sends you, the Lord is putting you strategically in a place so that you can commend the works of the Lord, the greatness of God, the goodness of God to those that God puts you in contact with. It's no accident that you are here at Cedarville, that you're learning what you're learning in your classes, that you're having the authentic Christian community, that then you're going out in the summertime and you're being sent. And some of you as seniors, you're graduating. This is the commissioning of the life of your ministry that you're going to go out and then minister to others by proclaiming the Lord's goodness and his greatness to another generation, to others who need to know. So one generation commends your works to another. They declare your mighty acts. This begins in your own home. Deuteronomy chapter six, teach them diligently. When you get up and when you sit down, everywhere you go, are you prepared to teach your own future children if God blesses you? how to live for the Lord, his greatness, his goodness. It doesn't stop in your home. It extends to your local church and to your workplace and to the community that the Lord's placed you in. When he's given you a mission to be on mission for him, to commend the Lord to everybody with whom you come in contact, it doesn't end even there. As we are called to commend the Lord to the ends of the earth. Friends, this is our assignment Whatever your vocation, whatever your giftings, you use those in such a way that you are commending the goodness and the greatness of God to others. We shall declare your mighty acts, not just the ones that are in scripture, but the ones that are in our personal lives. Because of our relationship with the Lord, the Lord is constantly doing things in our life. And when good things happen in our life, we're excited to tell other people about them. And we commend the goodness and the greatness of God Almighty to others. Notice this wording here. We're gonna declare your mighty acts on your glorious splendor. Now, there's a combination of words. Glorious splendor of your majesty. Well, that's not good enough. And on your wondrous works, I will meditate. So how do we live this Christian life? No Bible, no breakfast. You meditate, you read, you digest, you think upon, you talk to those around you when you sit down and when you stand up and all throughout your days as you are meditating on the glorious splendor of God's majesty and on his wondrous works. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. And I will declare your greatness. You see the word greatness again. So you get where I got the point. Now jump down to verse 10, because he continues it. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. So he goes from the singular, from me or my, to the plural, to all. 
All now, all your works, they're giving thanks for you. All your saints are gonna bless you. They shall all speak of the glory of your kingdom. This word kingdom's gonna come in in repeated phrases here. They're gonna speak of the glory. That's the greatness of your kingdom. And they're gonna tell of your power. There's another word for greatness. And they're gonna make known to the children of man your mighty deeds. Now there's a restatement of one generation commending God to another generation. What are we to do to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds, your greatness, again repeated, and your glorious splendor. There you see that phrase again. So even David, with all of his words, as gifted as he was, he's running out of ways to say God is great. There's a repetition that's coming in here. We're gonna tell the kids of your glorious splendor. Listen, if you say, I don't have any gifts, I can't, I can't serve in the local church, you can always work in the kids' ministry. There is always a need in the kids' ministry. Anywhere you go, if you walk up and say, I wanna serve with kids, they're gonna run a background check on you to make sure you're not crazy or something. But after they get past that point, they're gonna say, you're signed up, let's go. Tell the next generation, tell the children the mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is there again. See it now in verse 13 twice. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. That word generation goes back up to verse four. You see it, you see the repetition there. God is great. You see what's taking place here. Friends, when you see this greatness and you see the generations and you see the tell the children, you, this is living out your faith. It's life as worship. This is not a compartmentalized faith. Every day we praise the Lord. This is not I go to church on Sunday and I do my church thing on Sunday and then Monday through Saturday I live the way I wanna live. This is not I'm gonna be at a Christian university but I'm gonna put my walls up and I'm only gonna pretend like I'm this person while I'm around other people and then when I'm out and when I'm gone, I'm gonna be entirely different. This is a life that is lived as worship to the one true God. That's our calling. That's our mission. That's what we are to do. And friends, he has the everlasting kingdom. Think about it. Where's Babylon? Where's Egypt and all of its greatness? Can you go see Caesar? When you visit Rome, you see majestic ruins. Have you ever met Napoleon or Hitler or Attila the Hun or Cyrus the Great or Alexander the Great? Or Genghis Khan. Where are they and where are their kingdoms? Two of them are actually called great. Cyrus the Great and Alexander the Great. Where are they? Their kingdoms don't last. Their kingdoms are not forever and ever. There is only one true king and there is only one kingdom that is forever and ever. So friends, let us work for that king and for that kingdom. We go to point number three. Point number three, we're gonna praise the Lord because he is good. We jump back up to verse seven. You see how he just weaves this in and out. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness. It's not just goodness, it's abundant goodness. And shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Righteousness, another way to say goodness. When you are good, you are righteous. You do what is right. The Lord then, this is Exodus 34, it's repeated so many times throughout scripture. This is the Lord revealing to it, Moses, who are you, God? And the Lord says to him, and this is repeated here, he is gracious 
and merciful. Aren't we glad the Lord is merciful? If the Lord was not merciful, none of us could stand. Not only is he merciful, he's slow to anger. Thank the Lord he is slow to anger because even though he's given us mercy and saved us and redeemed us, we keep messing up. We keep having what Paul calls the flesh in Romans that tempts us to do the things we should not do. And here we see this is the goodness of God is that he's gracious to us, he's merciful to us, he's slow to anger. He is abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to who? To all. Have you ever thought about the fact the Lord is good even to his enemies? Even to those who talk bad about the Bible and a biblical worldview and the one true God, those who are opposed to it, God still gives them the air to breathe, the sun to shine, the water to rain. They get the crops. They enjoy the beauty of God's creation. God doesn't just snap his fingers and do away with them. Not at this moment in time. He's slow to anger. Now, there's gonna come a verse at the end of this where he says, oh, the wicked will be destroyed. And that's a warning to us. But here, the Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Oh, friends, so many times through the psalm, we're reminded that the Lord is the ultimate creator. We jump ahead. We go to verse 14. Notice how many times all and every is in this set of verses. The Lord upholds all who are falling. Here's a good word for us. We're stumbling, we're tired, we're falling. What's the Lord gonna do? Ah, weakling. No, the Lord upholds us. So where do you lean in when you feel like you're about to fall? You lean into the Lord and he raises up all who are bowed down. We humble ourselves. Those who are humbled, those are raised up. The eyes of all look to you and you give them food in due season. He provides for us. You opened your hand. There's an open hand of goodness here. It's not a clenched fist of greediness. It's not a rationed portion of you get one M&M or Skittle or whatever it may be, or you get one of these, I'm gonna keep two of these. This is an open hand of eat to your heart is content. And he says here, you you satisfy the desire of every living thing. He's gonna repeat this again. He's gonna come back around in verse 19 and say he fulfills, fulfills, another word for satisfies, the desires of those who fear him. We'll come back to that. The Lord is righteous in all his ways. Oh, he's good. Friends, can I tell you that the Lord is good? Can I encourage you to live your life for the Lord because he is good? Can I encourage you not to believe the lies of the devil when the devil says like he did to Eve, he's withholding something from you and we give in to the temptation to realize that the devil is the father of lies, that God is truth and light. The Lord is near to all who call on him and then notice the repetition here. It's almost as if he was writing with his fountain pen on his paper and his parchment and he said, the Lord's there for all who call on him. Wait a second, you gotta do it in truth. To all who call on him in truth, the father of truth cannot be associated with dishonesty, the hypocrisy. We have to come to him in truth and humility, seeking the Lord. But when we call on him in truth, look at what it says. He's near to us. Time out. Wait a second. This is the kingdom of all kingdoms. This is the everlasting that lasts forever and ever. And all of a sudden, he's near to me? Friends, do you know yourself well enough to know there's no way that the king of kings should be near to you or to me? The rebel against the king, the one who continues to stumble and fall and rebel 
And yet if I call on him in sincerity and humility and truth, the Lord who is the king of all, he's near to me. He fulfills the desires of all who fear him. Now look at verse 20. The Lord preserves all who love him. These are put together. These are concepts you cannot separate. It says he hears their cry and he saves them. Friends, if you have fear of the Lord, but you don't have love, you may obey, but it's gonna be obedience out of a fear, not out of a relationship. But if you have love of the Lord, but you don't have a healthy fear, then you're gonna have a familiarity with the Lord that's not wise. I am familiar with all things. I can speak the words. I can show the emotions. I know when to raise my hand and when to put my hand down. I know when to raise one hand or two, when to turn them up, or when I know what words, I know how to say the prayers because I've repeated the prayers and memorized the prayers. I know exactly what the prayers are. I know how to do the blessing at the end of the church because I've read these passages and and there's a familiarity that comes with this sometimes that we think, I don't have to fear the Lord with a reverential awe. I take my sin too casually and not seriously enough. We have to balance the fear and love. And friends, I wanna, I wanna take note here that it says he satisfies the desires. He fulfills the desires. There is a competing worldview at play where the world will tell you God is not good because if God was good, there wouldn't be evil, or God is not good because he's not gonna give you the things that may be the desires of your heart. But think about these competing worldviews, friends. There's a worldview that says to you, you just happen to be here, you are evolved, you have no purpose. What is your identity if evolution exists? What is your purpose? There's a worldview that tells you that you have an identity, and that identity is that you are in Christ. You have value that you were created in his image. You have worth because you are in his image. There is a worldview that tells you to embrace yourself, There is another worldview that tells you to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him. There's a worldview that tells you you should have pride in everything that you do. And there's another worldview that tells you that pride comes before the fall and you should humble yourself before a holy and righteous God. There's a worldview that says, embrace yourself. I was born this way. This is me. You be you. You do what you need to do. And there's a worldview that tells you that you need to repent because you are a sinner in need of a savior and you are not okay the way you are. There's competing worldviews at war for your mind, for your life, for your action. And one worldview seeks to kill and destroy because the father of that is the father of lies. And another worldview seeks to satisfy you and prepare you for an eternity with him. And that is the father of light and the father of truth. And we cannot go through this life not recognizing these worldviews at war. And friends, this is our mission and this is our calling that we are to commend the greatness and the goodness of Almighty God. Last point. Praise the Lord forever and ever. Verse 21, my mouth will speak and praise the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Or as Psalm 150 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. All right, I don't have time for your application points. I'll give them to you. We won't won't elaborate on them. Number one, 
Make a list of your reasons to praise God. Just make a list. When you're feeling down, when you're feeling in the dumps, read your list. Give some thought to it. Number two, will you pass the baton of God's mighty deeds to the next generation? Will you reach back? Will you grab it? Will you run fast? Will you run hard? Will you keep your eyes on Christ? Will you lean forward and pass that baton faithfully to the next generation? That's our calling, friends, to speak on the greatness and the goodness of God. Number three, be on mission for God. Wherever God places you this summer, graduates, wherever God sends you, you are on mission to declare his glory and to teach others to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, whose kingdom lasts forever and ever. Good times and bad times, friend. God is faithful. We can trust him. And you see it in this psalm. You've seen it all throughout the psalms. God knows us, and he loves us anyway. You are completely known, and you are infinitely loved by the almighty God. You are loved by us as well. So be on mission wherever he sends you to tell of his goodness and his greatness. Dear Lord, would you help us in our dark times and our troubled times and our hard times to remember your goodness and your greatness? Would you help us to lean into you, to call on you, to cry out to you? Lord, would you help us to do so in humility and in truth and in sincerity? And Lord, would you help us to claim these promises that you will be near to us, that you will save us, that you will always be there for us with your grace and your mercy and your steadfast love. Lord, will you constantly remind us when the lies of the world come to us to replace that with the truth of scripture because Lord, you are good and your steadfast love endures forever. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You are dismissed.